Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wag, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time it's episode 118, and uh, well, I'm recording this in a very unusual circumstance that I will explain to you, but we're going to talk about the adventures I've had with this crazy vehicle I picked up in Oregon. We're also going to do a product review of a personal fan that you can plug into any 12-volt outlet, a resource recommendation that will help you avoid getting into situations like the one I'm in, and a tale from the road involving some kind folks. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I apologize if this sounds strange because I'm recording this in a place I never expected to be, and I'm going to be here for a while. I am in Box Elder, South Dakota. And if you look at that on a map, you might find that there's just not a lot there. But what is here is a Love's truck stop. And that is where I am parked in the Tiki Bago, and I will be for quite some time. Did I break down? No, not this time. (laughs) Stay tuned for that. No, I got caught in a storm, and I cannot drive this thing in this storm. You might even be able to hear it. Uh, I am in a windstorm with gusts up to 65 miles an hour, and I just cannot drive this rolling brick under those circumstances. Also, (laughs) though I pulled over because of the wind, Mother Nature was kind enough to give me an ice storm on top of that. So currently, my kind of peachy orange Winnebago is in the Love's parking lot covered with ice and I am inside it recording a podcast for you because I care (laughs) no I mean mean, yes I do care it's just I'm committed to this podcast and well this is what commitment looks like so I'm recording this on a laptop on the dinette inside the Tiki Bago I have the furnace on it's running at about 62 degrees because I'm terrified that I'm going to run out of gas and or battery power and I'm not too sure about the batteries in this thing they are not lithium they are plain old lead acid And, uh, yeah, I've been here since about 9 o'clock this morning, and it is currently about 5 o'clock Tuesday night, and I think I'm not going to go anywhere until the morning at the earliest. The weather's actually not supposed to improve until midnight of the next day, so like 36 hours from now or so. Anyway, as I've often said about vans and motorhomes, if you're going to break down in something, what better thing to break down in. I mean, I've got a bathroom, I've got a stove, I've got stocked cabinets full of food, I've got a furnace, I've got a nice comfy bed. I mean, yeah, okay, this thing's rocking like, you know, there's a couple of uh, newly married folks uh, exploring each other here. Uh, uh, That is uh, unfortunately not the reason the thing is rocking. What is happening is the wind is blowing it, and holy cow, I have been on ships that were more stable in hurricanes than this is right now. I can't even imagine what it would be like on the road. The reason I decided to pull over was that a vehicle in front of me was towing a trailer, and the trailer flipped and threw the truck into the breakdown lane. Now, fortunately, everybody was okay, didn't really wreck the truck, but just watching the power of the wind doing that told me that, uh, yeah, I have no business being on the road in a 50-year-old RV. And now it would be on the road in a 50-year-old RV in a windstorm. It's also an ice storm. And uh, yeah, no, it's just not going to happen. I can sit here. 
honestly, this adventure has uh, has not gone all that well. Um, I'll tell you the story. First off, if you're not familiar with the Tiki Bago, you can now search Instagram or YouTube or Facebook for the hashtag Tiki Bago. So that's hashtag T-I-K-I-B-A-G-O. And you should be able to find some pictures and stuff. This is a 1972 Winnebago that has been done up like a tiki shack, and I recently purchased it in Grants Pass, Oregon. As I have talked about before, my wife and I bought a piece of land in LaSalle, Illinois, and the mission is, of course, to take the Tiki Bago from Grants Pass, Oregon to LaSalle, Illinois. However, I got sidetracked because I got a gig in Helena, Montana in the middle of this, so I actually had to drive to Helena, Montana and do that gig, and now I'm on my way from Helena, Montana to Illinois. But this has been a challenge. Uh, first off, the vehicle is ponderous it's it's a giant vehicle it doesn't really have a lot of the modern conveniences that we're used to in cars now um, everything is just kind of primitive uh, i can't figure out how the heater control really works the wipers are primitive at best it only has two gears to downshift into which are not really useful on big hills there's no overdrive the brakes are kind of binary <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of on or off. And steering it is much like driving a boat. Uh, there's lots of play in the wheel. And then I started having problems. 25 miles into the trip, I heard this noise that actually it sounded like static. And uh, then it sounded like squealing. And then there was silence. And I thought, that's not good. And the vehicle was running great. I was going up a big hill. I was 25 miles from when I had left. And then I saw the temperature gauge going up and up and up. And I knew that I had a serious problem. So it was five o'clock in the morning. I pulled over, opened the doghouse and found two broken fan belts. And at that point I knew that either the alternator or the water pump had seized. And in fact, as it turned out, it was the water pump called AAA. And remember, I've talked about AAA in the past and how they're not always reliable. And they came right away, sent me a very nice truck and a very nice driver named Andrew, and he towed me to the recommended dealer. And this is where the problems started happening. Nobody wants to work on this thing. That poor tow truck driver towed me all around town from place to place to place, just trying to find anybody who could work on this vehicle. And finally, we did find somebody, and I was super grateful. It took two hours, and it turns out, through absolute dumb luck, it was the same exact shop that had installed the water pump before. In fact, the water pump had less than 100 miles on it. So, they were able to rebuild the water pump and install it, and after about four hours playing with belts because they couldn't find the right belt, they finally got me back on the road. And, and no, folks, it turns out there is no warranty for that kind of a thing. Okay, so then I'm back on the road, and off to Helena I go. And, well, it wasn't terrible, except that I had to do in one day what I had originally planned to do in two days. So it was a very long haul of about 11 hours of driving all at once. And I don't know that the Tiki Bago has done that in a very long time. Overall, it performed really well, but I noticed that at about 60 miles an hour, it started to shake very badly, like stuff would fall off the walls and it was not good. And I either had to drive it 50 
or 70 and you don't want to drive in 70 in this thing you, you just don't and 50 is a little bit slow so I decided that after I taught my class in Helena which I did and it went well everything was fine there that the next day I would go and have the hopping looked at. I booked an appointment at Discount Tire at Nash Nationwide Chain. They said they could do tires the size that I had on this and showed up for my appointment and they did not have <laughs> the right size socket to take the wheels off. They could not figure out how to get the wheels off. So they sent me up the street to another shop that did commercial vehicles. So if you ever need big tires changed on an RV, you don't want to go to Discount Tire. You want to go to a big commercial, like a trailer store. And they had no problem taking them off, and they found out the wheels were out of balance, so they balanced the wheels, which means that they just put weights on them, and then they fixed up uh, the rear wheels were installed incorrectly, they changed, fixed all my tire pressure, and then they didn't charge me. Guy just shook my hand and said, you go have a good day. So I, I owe someone. That, that's a pay it forward that I'm going to have to take forward, because... That was super nice of them. They didn't have to do that. And it was especially welcome after the uh, $800 water pump bill that I had the day before. So, everything's fixed. I'm on the road. Things are wonderful. The vehicle is running great. And about 90 minutes later, it sputters. 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 And I am about to go up a hill in an Indian reservation that leads to about 150 miles of nothing. No gas stations, no stores. So I make the decision that it's time to change the fuel filter. Now, I had been warned that these gas tanks were 50 years old, that stuff creeped up, and you needed to change your fuel filters fairly often. So I thought, okay, this is, this is what's going on. And the previous owner was nice enough to leave some fuel filters in here. So pulled over on the side of the road, put on the fuel filters, and I couldn't find the second one. There's this, actually, I found out later, there's three fuel filters in this thing, and I could only find one, so I changed that. But as I was on the side of the road, literally changing this, somebody stopped and said, hey, you know, there's a mechanic just two blocks away. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to have to take advantage of this. Put that on incorrectly, as it turns out. Went down the hill to the mechanic shop and had them put on the fuel filter correctly and then find one of the other two and change that, which let me know that I had a clean fuel line on at least one of the tanks. The thing is two tanks. I thought, okay, things are great. And I hit the road and awesome. No more shake, no more sputtering. Everything's wonderful. And then about 90 miles later, it starts sputtering again on both tanks. It's not the fuel filter. So what is it? So I spend the night pondering and I ask some people online and it's the carburetor. There's a diaphragm that's broken. It's the pressure regulator. There's lots of different things, but all of them are things that I am not going to be able to get fixed. Pressure regulator, I could probably do myself, but carburetor work, again, no one wants to work on this thing. After sleeping on it, I wake up and realize that the problem is fuel. And if you use more fuel, you're going to have more problems. So I said, what if I just made it so I never go above 60? I mean, the speed limits out here are 80 or 75. And it is hard not to go near the speed limit because you always have trucks on your rear bumper trying to get you out of the way. But you know what? In the interest of safety and actually making it there, I'm going to stick at 60. And that worked great. It solved the sputtering problem. It hasn't come back. 
And after about 90 miles, I get blown into the next lane by this sudden gust of wind. And I, I thought something was wrong. I had no idea what was going on. And then at that very moment, Apple Maps says, warning, high wind advisory. <laughs> it's like, no yet. <laughs> So fortunately, there was this Loves here, and I pulled over, and I thought, well, I'll just wait out the wind, get set up on my computer looking to see where the wind's, wind's going to end and everything, and find out that I'm in the middle of this big storm, and well, I'm going to be sitting here for a while. How's the Tiki Bago, you might ask? Well, I love it. It's awesome. There's the, the previous owner did so much work on this engine and interior. Despite the problems I'm having, he really took care of this thing, and I am thrilled. I've got a lot of work to do. It's an RV. There's always things that are broken. I've had to repair the water system. I had to repair the thermostat on the furnace. Uh, there's a broken vent and I can't get the fridge to work. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that, but that doesn't bother me. I really enjoy this thing. Is it going to replace the van? No, this thing is going to go get parked and it's going to sit there. I'm going to keep it running. I might do a little bit of driving around central Illinois, you know, maybe go to a park or something and set it up, um, you know, as like a, a party house or something like that. But this is its last long trip. Folks, if you're looking at a vintage vehicle, just understand that they're not all that reliable, no matter how well you take care of them. And the bigger problem is it's really, really hard to find anyone who's going to work on them. So if you're doing the van life thing, get something reliable, something common, something that a dealer will work on. Because we took this thing to the Dodge dealer, after all, it is a Dodge, and they said they can't get the parts for it. So, yeah. Tech Talk. So, gray water systems. Uh, it, what I like to do in the van is just have a, you know, a, a five-gallon container for gray water, and I like to dump that out when I dump out my black water. And I've talked in the past about how you should really consider gray water to be black water. There's a lot of controversy about that. So, I get the Tiki Bago, and lo and behold, it doesn't have a gray water tank. In fact, all it has is a black water tank, but the gray water doesn't go into the black water tank. It's meant to just go on the ground. <laughs> now, I know a lot of people build their vans like this. And in fact, the first RV I had was also like this. But there's still all those problems I discussed before is that this water isn't actually all that safe. And if you release a lot of it in the same place, even though you used biodegradable soap, it's not the biodegrading that's the problem. It's the soap. The soap is the problem. So, you know, don't fool yourself that because you use biodegradable soap, it's fine to dump this stuff out. And then here I am in this vehicle that doesn't even have a gray water tank. So every time I wash my hands, it's either going to fill up the pipes or just run out wherever I happen to be parked. And so I thought about this and thought about all the work it's going to be to install a gray water system. And I have a plan for when I permanently park it. But what about when I'm on the road? And I watched a video a while back about a guy who built a van and his gray water tank leaked. I mean, it always leaked. He could never get it to stop leaking. And then he realized that was a feature and not a bug. So the deal with gray water is that it is hazardous to the environment if it's in a large quantity. But a drip at a time? Nah, 
it's fine. And so what happened with him is as he would drive down the road, this thing would just constantly drip. And by the time he got where he was going, he'd have no more gray water. And that's kind of what the Tiki Bago is doing right now. It isn't sealed very well. And yeah, it's leaking. So if I wash my hands, it goes into the pipe and then it drips out the end. And that's kind of the solution for the gray water problem. So I don't know that I would design a system like this, but I might. It's very interesting. I, one caveat, though, is I've had a few people come and tell me that it was leaking. In fact, the guy who replaced the fuel filters thought it was gasoline leaking, which uh, <laughs> that would have been a whole other thing. But so just food for thought. I, I don't know that I'm recommending anything here, but if you are playing around with ideas, maybe having a slow drip gray water system makes some sense. Product review. So I was actually worried about being hot on this trip. <laughs> the Tiki Bago used to have what's called engine air, that is air conditioning that comes out of the dashboard like a car, but it died long, long ago. And so it basically, it has no air conditioning except for the big one on the roof that is for the back and I'm not gonna use that while I'm driving. So I thought, well, I should at least get a fan. So I went to the truck stop and looked at all their fans. And I found this fan that was kind of interesting. It's called a Rode Pro Turbo fan. Now it doesn't look like a fan. It looks like either a very wide hair dryer, or if you can imagine a big coffee mug, you know, one of those big coffee mugs and with a fan in it, <laughs> that's kind of what it looks like. And it blows a very concentrated force of air wherever you aim it. So it's a very aimable fan. And I have to say, I like it for what I'm using it for. It plugs right into the cigarette lighter and the controls for its power are on the cigarette lighter. It's not just high, low, medium, it's a knob and you can make it go as high as it can or somewhere in the middle, you can really fine tune it. And I think one of its best features is that it will only blow on you. So if you're traveling with someone else who doesn't want to have a fan blowing on them, which happens to me fairly often, uh, you can just point this at yourself and be comfortable and then the other person doesn't have to worry about it. Now there's a couple of things I don't like about it. It is loud, so that's not good. And because the controls are on the plug, you have this cord you have to deal with. You couldn't permanently mount this because you'd always have to be able to access that plug to control the speed. You can't just cut it off and wire it in unless you put in a potentiometer of your own or something like that. It has a very grippy alligator clip and then a bunch of articulated arms so you can attach it to whatever you want. And you know, honestly for 25 bucks, it's a pretty good fan and it does a good job. So if you're looking for a super directional fan that blows a lot of air, this might be the ticket. It is a Rode Pro Turbo Fan. Tales from the Road. Yeah, I know this whole episode is a tale from the road, but hey, that's where I am right now. And uh, well, I'm living that tale. So I don't really have, much else on my mind other than surviving the night here. But yesterday, God, was that only yesterday? It seems like a week ago. Yesterday, my determination was to survive the day. Now, I told you that I had to change the fuel filters. Let me tell you a little bit more about that story. I was on the Northern Cheyenne Reservation in Montana at the time. Uh, this is an actual 
Indian Reservation. Now, I know the word Indian is charged, and <laughs> I'm driving a vehicle named Indian, named Winnebago Indian, which is an Indian tribe. But I have to tell you that in this community, Indian is how they referred to themselves and the word they were comfortable with. When I pulled up to the shop, there's a big sign over it that said, Indian own, Indian run. And I thought to myself first, is like, well, am I going to be welcome here? I, and I don't know. It's just, it's, I don't spend a lot of time on reservations. And I know <laughs> there have been a few issues between indigenous populations and white folk. So I didn't know how I was going to be received or even what the proper thing to do was. But what happened was I went in, explained my situation, and they yelled a name, and this young dude came out. I mean, I'd be surprised if he was 18. And he crawled under my rig right there in the parking lot, changed out my fuel filters, and again was like, eh, we don't really charge for this. <laughs> Now, I'll, I don't know what it is with Montana being very nice to me. <laughs> I'm very thankful. But uh, I wasn't going to let this go. I mean, that commercial truck tire shop, yeah, they can afford to spend 20 minutes helping me out. But I'm on an Indian reservation. Um, I don't know what resources they have or don't have. Everybody there seemed quite happy and well taken care of. But I did force them to take a fairly generous payment for the services because it just seemed like the right thing to do. I still don't think that covers my pay it forward that I have to do for the other thing, but still, this this kid really helped me out. Uh, now, uh, alright, so changing the fuel filters didn't actually solve my problem, but that doesn't matter. He actually went and tried to solve my problem and did exactly what I asked, and for that he has my gratitude. And another thing they did that super saved me, two things actually, as, uh, as he was changing my fuel filters, there was a guy there with a vehicle called the Res Runner. It was a, a bus that had a roadrunner on the back. And the guy explained to me that not everyone has cars there, so the reservation just basically has a, a shuttle bus that anyone can just call up and use for free. Hey, I need to go to the grocery store. Okay, shuttle bus goes over and picks them up. And that guy was really cool, and he told me that he was going to be following my route as I left, and if he saw me on the side of the road broken down again, he'd stop and help me out. So that was very nice. Because, again, folks, this was in Lame Deer, Montana. Look at the map, and look at what's east of Lame Deer, Montana. There ain't much. <laughs> so he was going to save me again. But the tip he really gave me was that just over the hill, not in the direction I was going, was a Conoco gas station. <laughs> So I could go and get more gas, which it turned out I really needed. <laughs> so just, you know, these strange experiences you have on the road. Um, you never know what's going to happen. You meet all kinds of different people. And on this trip, I have to say everyone has been incredibly nice and I'm super grateful for it. A place to visit. So, stumbling around, uh, I, I can't really pay to go to a campground in this thing, even though I would do it because, you know, I, I really need some services sometimes. They're just not open in March in this part of the country. So, I've been doing the iOverlander thing, looking for places to park, and I've been spending most of my nights at uh, rest areas, which is something I like. I'm fine with that. But I found this site that people just raved about, and it has an a unusual name. It's called Pelican Fishing Access Site. 
and it's right on the Yellowstone River in Gray Cliff, Montana. That's G-R-E-Y Cliff, Montana, one word. This is a little campground. There's probably seven spots, each with a very nice fire ring set up with a big grill that flips over it and a nice picnic table and a nice level place to park. And there's no fee. Anybody can just go park there for seven days and stay as long as they want. There's a pit toilet and there, there are no services. You know, there's no water. But there's good cell phone signal and you are right on the Yellowstone River. And you can just fish or boat. Uh, there's a boat ramp right there if you have a boat. Or just watch nature. What I did was uh, build a fire and then I watched this bald eagle that had roosted right across the river from where I was parked kind of sail down the river and then scoop up a fish and then go back to his tree and eat it. And there were all kinds of other birds. Some cranes flew over. Lots of ducks. The ducks were doing this little game where they would swim up river, jump in the river, and then kind of shoot the rapids a little bit and then fly back up to the top. And they kept repeating this. It was kind of amusing. And then, of course, in the morning, I got serenaded by a bunch of coyotes because it would not be a Montana trip without that. But seriously, folks, if you're up in that part of Montana, uh, this is an amazing site. And I imagine it's quite busy in the summer, but I was the only person to stay there this March. And I was greeted with 72 degree weather. I mean, it was just perfect. So, hey, if you're in Montana looking for a free place to camp, you're not going to do any better than the site known as Pelican Fishing Access Site. And I will have a link in the show notes so you can find it. Resource recommendation. So one thing I'm uh, very interested in right now is the weather and what the weather will be where I'm going to be. So I'm in the middle of this storm and I'm trying to find a way out of it. Do I go south? Do I go east? Do I wait till the morning or is now my best chance to get out of here? And there are some apps that can help you with this. I'm going to talk about a couple of them here. First one is highway weather. And this is one I've talked about in the past. This app used to be exactly what you wanted, but they've done weird stuff with it. It's now a subscription model and there's tons of ads in it and it makes it really hard to use. But if you can fight through all that crap, the information it gives is really good. It basically gives you an hour by hour play of what the weather's going to be like on your route and will even route you to a better route given the weather. And if you can't change your route, it will tell you the best time to leave, which is very nice and is what I'm relying on for tomorrow. So that is called Highway Weather. And I am using iOS products. I assume these are available on Android, but I'm not actually sure. And I've limited internet access where I am. So you'll have to figure that out for yourself. Another app is called Drive Weather. And it is much more graphically oriented. It's, it's a prettier app. It doesn't have all these ads in the way. And if you just want to see your route, what it will do is it'll show you your route. And then it will like put little icons on your route like snow 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 rain rain sun 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 wind wind that type of a thing and you can change the layers so like right now i'm curious about wind so when i click on wind then it says oh you have to pay to subscribe but it's only 9.99 a year whereas highway weather i think was 4.99 a month so i would say highway weather actually has better data 
but this app is much prettier, a little bit easier to use, and certainly a lot cheaper. So again, that one is called Drive Weather. And the last one I'm going to talk about is called On The Way, and this, this maybe is the sweet spot between these. On The Way also has some things you can pay for, but its free version is completely functional. And it also shows your route with little icons telling you what's going on, but the icons have a whole lot more information in them. For example, if I left at 7 a.m. tomorrow, it would be partly cloudy and 28 degrees, which is a little bit cold for this 50-year-old vehicle. But there won't be that much wind, and that's a good thing. Now, by the time I got to Sioux Falls, Iowa, which would be at 12.46 p.m., it will be 39 degrees and cloudy, which is much better. Now, at Sioux Falls, I make my turn south. I go straight south from there, and then it's 42 and then it'll be 48 by 4.53, and then 4.56 by 7.57 tomorrow if I finish the entire trip in one day, which, the way things are going, <laughs> I might just to be done with the weather. Of the three, I think I like On The Way best, but, you know, hey, everyone can try all three. What the heck? I'll have some links in the show notes, but having a weather driving app is better than just having a weather app because it gives you an idea of what you're heading into. <laughs> this storm I'm in isn't that big of a surprise. I knew it was out there. I just thought I was going to beat it. And I was wrong. Thank you very much for listening to episode 118. If you'd like to get a hold of me or if you'd like to follow my adventures here, I'm using the hashtag TikiBago on all the social media. You can find me there or you can just email me like the old-fashioned days at jeff at builttogo.com. That's two T's, not three, not one. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg. And until next time, remember the words of Stephanie Barron. The only consolation in foul weather is to turn one's lock upon the street and settle in by the fire with tea and a good book. <laughs>